Hello, and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart, and in this episode, we are welcoming in the new year, the first episode of 2017, and we are talking with Camrus Jemin. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, it's close enough, Jemin, but... Camrus is a uh, Sitecore MVP based out of the UK, uh, and uh, I've actually been trying to get him on the uh, on the podcast for quite a while. Uh, him and I have kind of been going back and forth, just because he's such a, a such a visible component in the community, uh, and I wanted to make sure people kind of heard his heard his actual voice as opposed to the voice through his uh, through his blog and Twitter account and on Slack. So, Camrus, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, great to be on on here finally, and uh, yeah, happy New Year to everyone. So, um, I think I wanted to kind of kick it off with, I mean, you've been around Sitecore for quite a while. What, how did, how did you get involved with the, the Sitecore platform? I think, uh, like, like most of us, I kind of got involved quite accidentally to be honest with you. I, I uh, started a, a new job at the tail end of 2009. And one of the first projects I worked on was a Sitecore project for, it was Virgin Mobile, and they were launching out a new business out in the Middle East, out in Qatar. So straight in, multilingual, right to left website. Um, and I'd been out of doing web stuff for a while before that. I'd been working on some Windows Forms applications. So it was a real jump into the deep end, you know, web plus Sitecore and multilingual as well. So, yeah, so kind of just fell into it. So, you know, started a new job and, you know, we have to, we, uh, the firm I was working for at the time, a comp- small company called Precept based out of London. And they'd won a contract to uh, to develop this, this e-commerce site uh, for Virgin Mobile. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think the first site I worked on was, was a multilingual as well. And I think it's, if, if you hadn't done it before, you, you realize that, Going from one to two languages is a lot mm-hmm. harder than going from say two to you know any number, um, mainly because it's that, that that mindset you have to get in of nothing, n- none of the text you output uh, in your user interface or anywhere else can can actually be a, a fixed string. It has to get looked up from somewhere. So and it was uh, the the first Sitecore project I worked on was uh, was also a multilingual site. Um, I was actually in charge of uh, getting, uh, you know, we had our, we had to support, we didn't have to do right to left, which I, I think, I don't know, as someone who's that's not native to, I think that would be really, really hard <laughs> to understand. But I think I, I, this was a site we were using Coveo, um, Coveo version six, uh, the old kind of, I think they call it the legacy connector now. Um, <laughs> This was on a, a Sitecore 6.3 instance, but we were using, we were using Coveo simply for the fact that we had to support, uh, non-Western character sets. So Chinese, mm-hmm. I think there was Chinese, there was Korean, and then there was Cyrillic. And it was, uh, you know, it was a definitely the, a, a challenge to kind of get my head around, you know, having to deal with that. But that was the one, the, that exposure to Sitecore of seeing, it's it is kind of baked right into the platform. You know, multilingual is not an afterthought. You're not 
you know, linking out to resource uh, DLLs like you might mm-hmm. on a on a custom you know custom built CMS or another CMS. The 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 multilingual aspect of Sitecore um, that was one of the first things that kind of stood out to me in terms of working with the platform um, that you know it's it's built right in. Yeah, I mean, particularly when we started as well, because we it was a small team and we you know we were having to put in text for the initial initial part of the site just so that the we could hand it over to some editors to then start populating further content and then just sending us word documents with you know here's the english here's the arabic and we're just copying and pasting and then have no idea what it says we're going to assume it's good <laughs> and then go publish okay it works all right here you go yeah, you, and you do run into some issues though, and I think um, one of the things that Sitecore's done in, in more recent versions is is the concept of language fallback. Um, so we would have stuff where it, you know, the the site looked great in English, and it would throw an error in French or something, and it was because, uh, you know, like there's a menu or something, um, and one of the menu items, you know, somebody didn't create the French version of it. Um, mm. Having the ability now to have your items fall back, um, you know, you can define mul- multiple kind of a, a, a chain of fallbacks, if you will. That <laughs> if you know, and this was a case of a lot of companies I work with. They'll have um, they'll have a U.S. English version of the site, and mm. then they'll have you know they'll usually do they'll pick ENGB for kind of European English. And then so to basically correct the English that you guys have got wrong. Right. right. <laughs> we, we, we don't like using use in our, in yeah. our, in our <laughs> words here. Wear out, wear out the keyboard if you press it too much. Right. 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 <laughs> so, uh, but they'll have say French fall back to, you know, great British, uh, English. And then, then that ultimately falls back to the U S English. So that's, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a nice new part of, of Sitecore eight, um, the ability to have that that language fallback, and I'm actually in the middle of a uh, in the middle of an upgrade for a client where that's really the only reason they want uh, they want Sitecore eight. They're not they're not big users of analytics. The the stuff for XDB seems interesting for them, but they're you know they're they don't have a lot of content users um, mm-hmm. and don't often get a chance to translate everything. And they're they're fine with a lot of their product information being in English. And then potentially getting translated into other other languages down the road. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's some there's some really nice stuff in eight two, which I quite like, and would current projects is on eight one three uh, update three. So I'd like to move over to eight two just more for those new little features like the workflow notifications and that kind of stuff, uh, which really helps with the uh, helps the content editors. Um, I'm sure we've all got some some little uh, module that we've created to you know give those notifications. But it's nice that these common things that we we do a lot is getting into the core pro- product, and you know with with that comes obviously the cycle support. Yeah, I mean the the workflow notifications. I don't you know I don't know about you. I've been on a number of projects where there'll be you know they, they see the work box and they're like, hey, this is great. Can I get notified of this? Mm-hmm. And I, we've I've seen a number of different approaches. The easiest one was if, if a company was on Outlook, yeah. um, to actually subscribe to the RSS feed. 
Um, and then those items would show up in, in Outlook since the Outlook kind of, it was able to consume RSS. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the benefit was those had links that had pre-built tokens that automatically logged you in. So if you're, if you're a content editor trying to go through and, and, you know, approve things, if you, got the notice that, you know, this item's moved from editing to review and you're a reviewer and you want to approve it. If you by just by clicking on it in Outlook, it will, it will automatically go through. But it still kind of felt like it felt like a hack, right? You yeah. Know, just yeah. like it was uh you know, and it's it's obvious that that functionality's been there for a while. So it's been it's been interesting to watch as as Psychor's taken on some of this kind of code that's been there a while. Um and you know, try and bring it up to modern standards. Yeah, yeah, still a still a bit more work I think to do around that workbox, but uh, consider especially given that everything is so heavily geared towards the experience editor and the page editor as it was. That's not really well, that was, that. that's the nice that's the nice benefit in eight two. They come not only did they deprecate mm. is page editor, they, yeah. they they actually removed it. So we don't even actually, have to worry I, about it. Being I, was, deprecated. I was looking at this the other day because I'm I'm working on something and uh, uh and it was exactly this thing. It was breaking between you know, I was doing something on the current version I'm on, which is eight point one point three. So just trying to figure out at what point did they change this? And it was eight point one initial release was the is page editor and 8.1 update one is is experience editor right so right. it's not even during a jump of a, a minor version it was during a jump of a patch an update so yeah that makes total sense well and it, yeah it's i mean I, I have I have shared my opinion on that in the past, so I, I won't I won't bore people with that again. But it's it, it's a case of I mean they it was deprecated and it was you know it they marked up the, they marked that property as deprecated and yeah. it wasn't deprecated for that long, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's gone. So <laughs> it's a, a, a mental note to those of you that are that are thinking about taking on that you know that upgrade project and getting your uh, getting your site up on to eight two um know that that is a code change you're gonna have to make uh, <laughs> page mode dot is page editor uh you know testing whether or not you're rendering inside the uh inside the the page editor or the experience editor has has been completely removed um I don't know. It just seems ripe for maybe an extension method just to put it back. <laughs> <laughs> just to add it back in. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, looking at kind of, uh, you know, I've, I've always kind of approached this podcast of, you know, I, I, I know a lot of folks in the community and as do you. And we, like I said, and like you indicated, we've been around a long time, but there are, there is constantly people coming to the platform. And I think one of the, one of the things I thought would be kind of fun to chat about is what, what are some of the common, I don't want to say mistakes, but common, you know, common things that people don't, uh, you know, maybe get at first when they start working with Sitecore. Yeah. I think we've, I think we've all been there where we've, so I was just thrown on a project. And it's, well, I say thrown. I started on this project and didn't have any cycle experience. Uh, and the whole team was fairly new. So, you know, we, we, we've all made a bunch of mistakes along the way, but hopefully weren't too bad. Um, but I, don't know, I, th I think the concepts within cycle are quite difficult for somebody moving from a normal .NET project to a CMS project. I think if you're go if you're coming from another CMS system, 
the jump over to Sitecore is a lot easier because you understand CMS concepts mm-hmm. and things like you was just saying. You know, with uh, uh, when you're implementing a multilingual, you know, you can't have anything uh, which is hard coded, right? Uh, so it's jumping to that CMS concept. It's like okay, can't have anything hard coded. And then, all right, there's this flexibility, and then this will have, you know, what what is a page? You know, a page is anything, right? It's nothing and everything, possibly. So those those concepts, I think, are, are, are quite hard to initially grasp. Yeah, I think if you, if you're new to a CMS, definitely the 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 whole concept of you know everything's coming out of the database, and no matter what you know what the 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 CMS there's usually the 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 content and the data are completely separated so mm-hmm. you're taking data marrying it with some sort of presentation logic and rendering that out as a, a as a web page um, mm-hmm. yeah I, I I would agree with that I think you know one I would would add is just because I was just talking to someone else about this recently because they have a new developer coming onto their team that's you know solid .net background but they're still trying to get their their head around things is is the concept of template is has nothing to do with visual things in Sitecore. Yeah. Uh just about everywhere else when you hear template you think of kind of the visual template and I think yeah. Um, you know, credit to Jason Wilkerson in his book, he could, you know, like the template is kind of like your class, you know, it's, it's the schema. Um, and the, you know, the, the items within your tree are almost instant, you know, objects of that type class. So I, that, that's, that's one that I think just nomenclature in general with Sitecore is, you know, there's, there's a, I wouldn't call it a steep learning curve, but there's definitely a learning curve with, with learning nomenclature within Sitecore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I've worked with a couple of other CMSs, and usually a template is quite tightly bound to the presentation. So when you add a template, it's the presentation, and this is the data that happens to go with that presentation. Whereas with Sitecore, it's uh, everything is very separated and very granular, which is good uh, from uh, from the system point of view. But from an in developer coming to this new, it's 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 a lot of moving parts to kind of fit together and uh, and put together on a, on a project. Uh, And equally it's very difficult if you, if you're completely new and you don't have somebody else to fall back onto, if you're coming into a, 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 an experienced cycle shop, then you, you know, you've always got some example projects that these guys have essentially worked on before. Uh, You've got guys with a lot of experience that you can ask questions and bounce ideas off. And even, you know, hopefully they're using, a decent version control system and you know they, they're reviewing uh, peer reviewing the commits and that kind of stuff so it, it's quite I think it's very difficult if you're a brand new cycle house setting up but it's one of these things where you know it, after a bit of experience obviously it's a lot easier but um, I think right now in the community there's a lot of good information out there for anybody coming new onto the onto the cycle scene which I think when we started out, there wasn't as much or not as high a level of information available. There's always like these articles which solved a very specific problem, but mm-hmm. not a kind of end-to-end uh, learning available. I, I would agree. I think there's definitely, you know, and I, I still kind of hear uh, from 
I hear from folks that are maybe, I would say, I want to say lower level, but like not as, you know, that they work on Psychober. They also have to work on a bunch of other things as well. And, mm. you know, maybe it's been a few months since they've, they've done something. And, you know, the, the gentleman I just had lunch with the other day was talking about like, I'm, I'm having to go back into workflow. I'm like, man, I can't under, I, I can't remember how workflow works and, yeah. and all that. And it, it's, there seems to be, you know, and the, the way he was saying is a lot of the, the, the content out there is either really, really high level of like, here's Psychor, here is, you know, what's a, what's a, what's a rendering, what's a template, that sort of stuff. But then a lot of it is just like very deep, deep, you know, how do you extend this, obscure pipeline to, you know, cause something to happen during workflow. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a challenge. And then it's, I, I it's, it's also just kind of a, an embarrassment of riches out there that there's so much that it's hard to even know, not so much who's authoritative on it, but just like, man, I don't know which, you know, is this old? Is this, you know, this blog post is from a, from a year ago. I wonder if this is still the case that you got to do this or if this mm-hmm. has been fixed or if there's a way to get around that. Yeah, it's a bit tricky, isn't it? Uh, particularly when you, you know, you, I blogged about a, a number of little fixes, and you know, on my blog post, I, I try to go back and update them to say, "Don't do this anymore. It's been fixed in this version." But sometimes you write stuff and you forget yourself, and you end up googling it and find your own post again, and then you're like, "That's a bit embarrassing." <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one of the things. I, you know, the the it's. Your blog, there's there's been a number of articles that are not like really. Uh, I I'd almost say you you kind of find the whimsy in things that like the the latest one of like how do I change the background of the login? Page? So that was I mean that like yeah is there is is there is, when you get the wireframes for your site did did UX say oh and make sure that the background of the site or login is is fully branded? No, but it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Another one that stuck out, I remember you found because it got no, it was it was wasn't mentioned anywhere when it was released. And I think it was man, was it eight one update three? The whole Sitecore admin. And, and for those of you that may not be familiar with it, if you know when you go to log into a Sitecore site, you go to your domain slash Sitecore slash login. You log in, and now you can go you know, accomplish everything in those Sitecore backend. If you go Sitecore slash admin slash the common one, most people should be aware of is showconfig.aspx. Mm. That will show you the the computed configuration. But you had found that like Sitecore actually put an index file in there that <laughs> listed all of the, all of the tools that are in there. Cause there's some really, I mean, there's some very useful tools. I've, I've had to use DB browser before, which is a very, very stripped down way to get at the content tree. Mm. Um, a lot of events don't get fired. So I, I, it was a case of, I had, I, uh, I, I had events that were causing some weird stuff to happen. And all I wanted to do is just delete one item without having all these other events fire and not having to unwire up the events. But there's a DB browser is another good one. Link pad is another one. Um, mm. You know, if you're trying to hammer out some, some uh, content search code. Um, but that was, I mean, that was another blog post of like, you found that and just put it out there of like, oh, that's really kind of, you know, it's not technical, but it's, I mean, it's incredibly useful. It's a bit useful. random, right? Yeah, just, uh, yeah, so, some of those are, like, you, you think that these things would get more exposure uh, because it's like, wow, okay, it's really simple. I can just go to that admin page and it will show me what the pages are. Um, and we'll just see some new ones coming up. But yeah, there there are some, there was some obscure ones in there when I looked at it, I was like, ah, there's a new jobs page. I can actually see what's running in the background and why is why is my indexing taking so so long or how many j- publish 
jobs do I have queued up and, you know, the stuff that you'd expect to uh, have seen for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll definitely, I mean, for if, if you work with Sitecore any amount of time, I, uh, I'll i put a link to that blog post in, in show notes. But I mean, if, if you just go to, you know, on your Sitecore instance, it's Sitecore slash admin I think it's just, you just go to Sitecore slash admin yeah. and then it That's will it, yeah. <laughs> bring up a page of all the tools that are there. Uh, you have to be logged in. Um, I remember when they added that, um, which is kind of a, sec- <laughs> <That's nice, right? laughs> it's kind of a security risk, but I mean, it, it was, so they added, you know, you said once you're logged in and you go to that page, there's a, there's a ton of tools to know, look at the back end of things. Clearing the cache is another one. I don't, I don't end up having to do that anymore. Early on, you know, early on working with Sitecore, it wasn't so great about, knowing when to clear its own cache. Um, but um, that's been a, you know, that's a, that's another one that's in there. There's a lot of just kind of useful little tools. There's one in there on how to, if you ever forget the admin password, you can reset the admin password. Um, and there's, you know, you, you've got to go and edit some of the files that are in there uh, to make them work. Or some of them are completely shut off until you, you put a, a special file in there just because you can do some really da- real damage with them, like running arbitrary SQL scripts against <laughs> your databases. So obviously, you know, and, and this is, it is more than stated in the, in the hardening guide, but definitely lock down the Sitecore directory on any production web facing servers. But it's, you know, if you, if you're, if you're developing on the platform, it's a, you know, it's a great little, great little area that I think maybe in the training, when I took the training way back when, um, they might've talked about the cache clearing and show config. Um, but they've been slowly adding more and more tools in there. So definitely one to check out. Well, another one, another one which I've, um, I think, to, to, that, that that I've seen quite a lot happen is, uh, and this will annoy you as well, is uh, config patches. Yeah. And you go in, and it's like, oh, wh- why did, why is that broken? And it's like, oh, uh, oh, so somebody's gone ahead, and you know, uh, 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 up until was it eight one, I think it was the uh, the whole cycle section was in the web config. So, you know, people just go and like, right, okay, massive web config. I just need to add a processor or update a setting or do this or do that. And, you know, it always, always leads to problems. Well, and uh, I, yeah, I was going to say, I would even step back and, and a lot of even the guidance of Sitecore where, you know, in their documentation would be, you know, if you wanted to do this, find, you know, find this setting, and, and change it, you know, find the setting in your web config and change it. Mm. Um, and that, that it, it worked the, it, until you went to upgrade. And then <laughs> if you look at, I mean, just, man, if you have, if, if you haven't done it and you're in, if you want some light reading, <laughs> go back to, go back to, you know, you have to go off the dev.sitecore.net, go back to SDN um, and look at some of the upgrade guides for say upgrading from six four to six five, and there were literally instructions of like find this line in web config and change it to read this and change insert this line above this line. Um, uh, they, they, they they still have that. They still have that in uh, on the dev dev cycle site. I, sure. I think the upgrade from I think it was eight zero to eight one or something like that i think it's 80281 or 81282 or something like that the change configs document is a hundred pages almost it's a pdf it's almost a hundred pages long yeah so i mean the, the moral of that story is don't go edit i, I would say don't even edit any of the config files because i mean yeah. one thing sitecore has done is is probably just due to the fact that even breaking 
their own configuration out and then patching it in via a, a config source um, is still, they probably, you know, you could still easily run into, and I can't remember, it's, there, there's a line limit to a config file that IIS will... will uh, 200, 250 kilobytes. After right. 250 kilobytes, you've got to go and change a registry setting or yep. do some other stuff. But if you have those as include files, even if it's just a config source equals from your web config, that's fine. Right, right. But th- so, I mean, they, Sitecore themselves has taken several of all the functionality in there and put it into their own patch files, as you mentioned. Right. Um, and it's, you know, that, that is definitely a skill set to, to learn. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's different than, especially if, if you've been in the .NET world and doing web, it's different than doing slow cheetah transforms yeah. that people might be familiar with. But all of those config files in the, um, and it's uh, app underscore config slash include. All of those get patched in, and you instead of going in and actually changing the the core file um, to you know change a, a a core setting to actually create a patch file that that does that it is uh, you know I think that's yeah, that's a good one uh, you know in terms of I think the easy way would be to just go change it and then you know i would liken it to on an open source project of just changing the core files and and running it like if if you install wordpress and you don't like something that it's doing it's it's php all the codes right there you just go change something but then it's gonna come back and bite you when you go to upgrade and it's yeah, kind, of, kind of the same same philosophy on on sitecore of have definitely learned learned the language for patch files i mean i've been working with sitecore for just over seven years now and it's starting to sink in. I'm almost (laughs) always having to look up like, Oh wait, how do I do this? How do I, how do I remove a section or, you know, rearrange a section or something like that? It's, it's doable, but it's definitely a, um, it's a, it's a language into itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some good resources out there. The cycle actually has some half decent documentation on it as well, which explains it step-by-step. Just download the PDF, uh, some blog posts by John West, which I'm sure we've all read. Uh, so that's uh, def- definitely like keep that keep that in mind. I remember um, uh, I started a new job a few years back, and the first thing I had to do on this job was to audit this uh, a project that from an existing vendor, and they've been told that they couldn't upgrade the version of Sitecore, and it was six five at the time or something like that, or six four six four or something like. And so they couldn't upgrade because of some stuff, you know. So. I figured it was something very specific within the solution that they'd done a lot of stuff in the solution to to add a lot of customizations. But in the end, the I didn't see anything in there. But in the end, it came down to the configs. And what I did was just strip down the configs back to uh, patches. And it, the upgrade took about half a day on, on my local machine. But it took about half, half a day up to uh, version 7 or something at the time. So use, use config patches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And definitely at least, uh, you know, I will say with using with with the release of the express migration tool, which is you know designed to help you upgrade from older versions to the most recent version. I think the first version allow you to go from any version of seven two up to eight two, mm-hmm. um, eight two initial release. The, the second version of it, I think you can go all the way back to six, six, all the way yeah. up to update one. one yeah. um, and it will handle, it, it seems pretty smart to pull a lot of those configurations out. Um, nice. 
the um, you know, it, it will give you a report of, you know, stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I, I the, even the first one, uh, you know, the way, the way can, uh, search indexes were configured, changed just slightly, um, kind of configuration section that they reorganized a little bit of how the configuration section was done. It, it seems to handle, if you have custom indexes, it, it handles changing those around and making them so that they, um, that, that everything's in the right place and it's referring to the right, uh, the right stuff. So, I mean, they're doing really good work and I know Sitecore has heard over and over again, just how painful upgrades are. Mm. Um, they acknowledged it at symposium and this, this express migration tool is, you know, is, is definitely, is definitely evidence that they've, they've heard that feedback and are, are taking it seriously. Yeah, I have, I haven't played with it. I'm, uh, I'm in two minds about it really. I mean, I, I, it's really good, but I'm in two minds of it in terms of, do I really want to be working on a project from 6.6 trying to do all these upgrades or do I just want to go with the latest and greatest and shiny? So Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. <laughs> I mean, you got a lot of customers that are like, I want this new, I want, I want to move to XDB. And, yeah. you know, if they're, they're still back on 7.2, now, you know, what do you do? Um, the the yeah. upgrade process was uh, it would have been a nightmare, right? Well, I mean, from seven two, it was it's, for seven two. You had to go up through seven five, which was kind of an interesting version in that they, you know, that's that's a forgotten child that nobody speaks of, right? Right, <laughs> but it, that you have to pass by them in order to get to <laughs> to up to to eight if you're going to go through the the kind of the you know the upgrade in place. Uh, standpoint of so, and for those of you that haven't looked at the the express migration tool, how it how it kind of works is it it is you you leave your existing site in place, uh, you stand up a brand new. In the case of the project I'm working on, it's a, a two initial release, or you can use a two update one. Um, you point the tool at the two different instances via uh, where it's where their web roots li- live, and then. If I remember right, I don't have it in front of me, but it's you give it uh, the connection string to the core databases and the connection string to the master databases, and then you let it do its thing, and it you know chunks through and migrates all the content over. You can tell it to you know migrate. It'll give you a report of the content it's going to migrate over. I had performed a number of upgrades where that was I, I did that manually, so you know I took an old instance, serialized all the data, copied that over, reserialized it into the new. Uh, the new instance, and um, this just automates a lot of that, as well as handles where you know certain certain fields may have changed. I know there were changes to the rules, uh, rules definitions, and so forth. Uh, it's nice, nice to say it takes all that into account because it's otherwise it sounds the, the content migration piece at least sounds uh, similar to what Razzle does. I don't know if you've ever used that. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, quite, I've seen that. A, it's just. The other nice thing it does too is it will it migrates all of the users. In fact, I think there was a mm-hmm. there was just a question the other day in Slack on migrating mm-hmm. users. Um, if you use serial, if you serialize all your users using the kind of the native serialization, and mm-hmm. then migrate them over, one of the things it does is it resets everyone's password to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but the the actual migration tool will serialize all the users, including their passwords, uh, which is, which is quite handy. Um, cause that's usually where, you know, that's the last thing I'm thinking of during, during one of these migrations yeah, is like, I did yeah. everything as I'm logged in as admin, I reset the password and all that. 
And then they're like, yeah, my login doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I realized I'm like, oh, I forgot to migrate the user. So this, this tool, <laughs> this tool, does, you know, handles that quite well. Hopefully they'll get some more integration for some, uh, IWolf providers and that kind of stuff into uh, built into Sitecore, and we can then just run run off those and run it off our Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, the, and the, the nice thing is, and this I haven't checked yet, is the Express Migration version two. Uh, so if you're going to Sitecore eight point two update one, it will handle migrating web forms for marketers, which is you know I know you and I are like huge, amazing, big fans of web forms for marketers. I, th- I think I'm a bigger fan of it than you are, though. So <laughs> I think I'm, we might have to battle battle for that title. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for those of you listening at home, cameras and I like in the web forms for marketers Slack channel, just beat on web forms for marketers. <laughs> it's almost like a, it's a, it's a small pastime of ours because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's caused, it's caused so many headaches over the years. It's a, uh, when it works, it's a great tool and marketers love it, but it is, it has burned me more than once. Yeah, me, I, th- I think it's burned all of us a few times and, uh, it's one of those modules, which I think we all want to love, uh, but we all just love to hate it in the end. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think it's no, you know, it's no secret. They announced at Subcon EU last year that there is a replacement for it coming. So we'll, I, I, I'm definitely excited to see what comes of it. I mean, there hasn't been, hasn't been anything been communicated yet, but I know I, for one, am interested to see what, what they come up with, you know, looking at where they're going with a lot of kind of new stuff. If you look at something, say like the, uh, the publishing service that's using .NET yeah. Core, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they've got some incredibly smart people working on fixing these things that have been around a while. I mean, Stephen Pope had said that the publishing code was some of the oldest code in the code base when they, when they started that project. And you look at what they did with that and just like they took a process that I think we've all seen publishes that just, you know, we're like, is it still running? Like, oh, it is running. It's just taking a (laughs) really long time. And I mean, it is blindingly fast. It is super quick. Super, super quick. Um, I mean, I I did some initial testing with it uh, when they released it. And I think I was publishing out our site in like 30 seconds for a full, full republish and it's about 60 or 70,000 items, you know, the demo he did at, at symposium, if I remember, it was just a, a generic install of Sitecore and a full republish on the hardware. I think he had said was, you know, like 50 minutes and I, I could be off, but it was, but he did it during the demonstration, during the, the, the presentation and it took less than five seconds. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like, you know, it was, it's like several orders of magnitude faster. So it's, <laughs> you know, knowing that they're, they're, they're doing work like that. And then late last year, kind of the, the, the announcement of how much more of the product they're going to be trying to move to .NET Core. It's, you know, it definitely, it, it holds a lot in store. Is it, they're yeah, definitely def- not a company yeah. that is, is sat on their laurels and, and been fine, you know, with, with, with what they have. They're definitely on the cutting edge. Yeah, I mean, it should, it should be it should be interesting with uh, to see what updates they have and uh, the different sections of uh, the product as a whole. I think as they as they start to replace stuff out, uh, I know EXM has had uh, a lot of work done done on it. I haven't used uh, the email campaign manager as it was at the time for a very very long time, but uh, I hear a lot of good things happening with some of this stuff that's being changed in the background. So. 
think there's a there's a lot of good hope for the, the forms module as well. Hopefully, um, it's it's due it's really due a, an up, update for a, for a very very long time, even from a, a UX point of view. No, not for forgetting all the code and all the other bits and pieces, but particularly from a UX point of view and a, uh, maybe some nice out of the box integrations, connectors, that kind of stuff. You know, maybe a maybe a nice uh, save action to post out to Slack or something. <laughs> That's what we need. We need yeah. more, people, more people, more people posting to our Slack channel. <laughs> so, I mean, I, and I, we, you and I joke because I mean, I know you're in there as much. But if you're at home listening to this and you're not part of the Psychor Slack channel, I, I would highly recommend uh, seeking out um, getting access to it. And I know that's been automated quite a bit. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's constantly, and, you know, I'm just amazed if, uh, you know, I haven't looked at it for a few days and I just kind of scroll back and just see the level of help that people get, um, of just like, Hey, I'm, I'm this doesn't seem to be working. And somebody's, you know, there's a, you get a fair amount of people. I think we're at like 1100 people in there now, but you get a fair amount of people like, Hey, this doesn't work. Can you fix it? And then the, there's the people that are like, hey, I'm seeing this. To, like, I've checked these things. Does somebody else have somewhere else I should be looking? And somebody else will chime in like, yeah, hey, have you checked this pipeline? And sure enough, like, you know, two hours later, you say, hey, so-and-so, that was exactly what it was. It turned out to be this. So that level of, of, of help in the channel has been, you know, it, it's just really cool to see. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're up to uh, over 1,600 users uh, at the moment. So it's it's grown it's grown hugely over the uh, past uh, year and a half and uh, it's just it's just it's been, it's been a really good way of uh, speaking with a lot of cycle people even if it's not for help even if it's just on the random channel or you know just posting up Giphy or whatever it's been uh, right. uh, you know I think we've made a a lot of us have made a lot of connections with a lot of people that ordinarily we wouldn't uh, have been speaking with unless it was via some uh, you know a a random Twitter message or something, which didn't really happen a huge amount. Right. 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 When I think it's, it's, it's deep in those connections as well. I think before yeah. we started recording, I, I was telling you, I, and, and Akshay, Akshay echoed this when he was on there. I would have never, in a, you know, I would have never interacted with kind of the psychor folks that are in Europe and the UK. Um, just, you know, we, we, we're Americans. We're very American centric, right? So it's, but I, even, even even for myself, you know, it was it was the odd occasion that I'd uh, go down to a user group, you know, which would be you know every month at best, but you know, sometimes much further apart. Even the other UK folk, you know, I'd, I'd only ever really speak to them at a, a user group, and then if I had an issue, I'd, I'd kind of reach out to somebody. But it wouldn't wouldn't be just general chit chat and day to day. Oh, you know. I need to, uh, I'm stuck on this uh, or how would one go about, you know, tackling this problem or, you know, I, I'm facing this kind of architectural decision, what, you know, all, all these kind of things. It's usually you're working in the office with somebody, maybe you go to a user group, you'll have a conversation with someone and that's all you got. But now you've got a whole bunch of other people who are in that cycle field to bounce cycle specific ideas off. Yeah, you're not even if you're kind of the the lone psychor dev in your organization, you're not alone. Um, yeah. You you've got kind of the the hive mind to tap into, uh, and just even if if somebody's like, hey, I wrote a blog post on that, 
and provides a link. That's great. Uh, longer form kind of stuff. We've got, you know, the, the, the Sitecore stack exchange site is, yeah, is still yeah. going quite well. Uh, there's a little bit of a lull over that, but it, I mean, we could attribute it to the holidays. Um, yeah. there's still really good information being shared there. Kind of the you know, stuff that's more permanent, um, as opposed to kind of ephemeral, you know, just questions, uh, general questions about Sitecore. Um, you know, some of the Slack channels are, you know, I, I hang out in the Sitecore PowerShell extensions channel and I mean, they've got, they've got all their issues, auto posting in there. Uh, anytime that they rebuild their documentation, it, it posts a notification. So they've got some really cool, they've got some really cool integrations going on there. So there's definitely some really good information being shared there. So, uh, again, if you're, if you're not a member of the, that community, uh, I, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Find, find, find any of us on uh, Twitter or, uh, actually, so has got a, a link on his, on his blog, on his blog site. So you can go fill in the form and somebody will send you the invite. Well, we're kind of coming up on time. Kimbers, where can people find you online if they, uh, you know, obviously they can reach out to you on, on the Slack, on the, in, in the Sitecore Slack community that we've been talking about. But where, where, you know, if they want to find you other places, I guess, where, where is the best place to find you? So you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my user handle is jammycam. Um, and you can also find me on my blog. Uh, it's jammycam.wordpress.com. And then I'm around on various places, obviously Stack Exchange and Stack Overflow. But uh, if you need to reach out, then Twitter or Slack or just even just via my blog post is is also also good. Great, great. And I've been I've had I've gotten some feedback that I, I never share my own contact information. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm, my my uh, Twitter handle is ddysart on Twitter, or you can follow the show at Core Sampler. Um, the uh, both both are good ways though a message to either of those will get to me um and my blog is actually derekdysart.com uh very very sporadically updated you can find me there uh and you, I'm ddysart on on the Sycore Slack community definitely reach out to me if you've got questions or if you're you know even you know, we've got the message at the end of the show if you're interested in being on the show reach out i I have coordinated. I coordinated talking with cameras here uh, via Slack. Uh, you know, I would say easily eighty percent of the guests that have been on the show, I coordinated through uh, just private messages on the Slack channel. So uh, definitely reach out if you're if you you think you've got something interesting to say. You want to come on and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I'm definitely <laughs> definitely willing to definitely willing to uh, you know. I love talking to people about Sitecore, so that's kind of part of the reason i uh started the podcast so cameroos thanks for being on the show yeah great it's been a uh, nice chatting with you yep and we'll uh see you guys next time thanks for joining us for this episode of core sampler to see show notes from this and past episodes please visit coresampler.fm there you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released if you liked what you heard today please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.